0: Welcome back to the Buddhist Recovery Network Podcast. I'm Valentine. I hope everyone is weathering the storm okay, as some states have extended the stay at home orders. If you want to connect with more recovery community, there are many options online right now. Recovery Dharma has over 230 meetings online currently. Many of the meetings listed on BuddhistRecovery.org have also switched online. Tempest has a peer support virtual bridge club for fems and non-binary folks. Smart Recovery also lists many meetings that have moved online right now, so it's a perfect time to check these resources out, especially if you live in a town where these meetings do not usually happen in your city. In Olympia, we don't have Smart Recovery or Tempest Bridge Club, so I will be checking those both out myself. Um, hopefully this week. My goal for, well, my other goal for this week is to find an online dance party. Vimalasara and I were talking about throwing one for all of you. So I really want to check one out first to see how they are done. Oh, Kevin Griffin will be teaching at the next live recording of the podcast, which happens the first Sunday of every month. He is a fantastic human being and i always feel great after being in community with him so come hear his teaching and ask him some questions at the q a afterwards his book burning desire was the only book i read in early recovery multiple times it took my understanding of buddhist concepts to the next level and really helped me build a foundation for my sobriety You might be more familiar with his other book, One Breath at a Time, or his newest book, Living Kindness. Hope to see you April 7th for his talk. Mark it on your calendar. Okay, and the last update, the first annual Recovery Dharma conference is happening this summer and will be fully online. It is a Sangha Summit, July 31st through August 2nd. Meditate, reflect, and connect with the Recovery Dharma global community. You can find more info at recoverydharma.org. The cost is a sliding scale from $0 to $50. No one turned away for lack of funds.
1: Hello? Welcome, everyone, to the Buddhist Recovery Network Academy. I'm Robin Smith, and I'm joining you in the greater Buddhist Recovery Network community from my home in New Orleans. Today, we have a teaching by Martine Batchelor, Breaking Free of Habits. Thank you for joining us. Here's the format for the next half hour. Um, We'll begin with a short period of meditation, followed by a 15 or so minute Dharma talk, um, and ending with a few minutes of questions and answers, or reflection, depending on what questions you have. I'd like to introduce our our teacher today, just a little bit about Martine Batchelor. Uh, She lived in Korea as a Zen nun, and under the guidance of Master Kusong for 10 years. She's the author of Meditation for Life, The Path of Compassion, Women in Korean Zen, and Let Go, A Buddhist Guide to Breaking Free of Habits. She's a member of the Gaia House Teacher Council. She teaches meditation retreats worldwide and lives in France. Her latest work is The Spirit of the Buddha. So we invite you, uh, we invite you on, Martine. I'm going to um, just send you a brief invite to turn your video on and welcome to our program. Uh, Welcome, uh,
2: everybody. Thank you for the introduction. And uh, so uh, here we are. Uh, Let's start with the meditation. So I'm very happy to be with you here at whatever time of the day it is for you. So if you can find a comfortable posture, the back is straight, the shoulders are open,
3: And then gently, let's start by anchoring in the breath, gently resting our attention on the breath, just feeling the air coming through the nostril and coming out again. We're not forcing the breath, we just let it happen. Looking deeply into the breath, into the air that we breathe we realize we are all sharing the same air. Through the breath, we have a deep connection with all of life. Time to time, we get
2: distracted and then we come back to the breath, to the sensation of the breath coming in, coming out.
3: How does it feel to breathe? How does it feel this sensation of the air coming in, coming out? Is it a little pleasant? A little unpleasant? Or more or less neutral? Neither.
2: Just being aware of that tonality of the contact of the sensation Of the air coming, coming out. then we might turn our attention to sound listening to the sounds around us or listening to the silence opening ourselves to the
3: music of life arising passing away When you hear a sound, what's the tonality? Is it a little pleasant, a little unpleasant, or neither? When the sound goes, does the tonality go with it? Does the sound continue? Does the tonality remain the same? Now, coming back to the breath. Just yes, being with the breath. Feeling the air coming in, coming in. Thank you.
2: So now, uh, i like to maybe a little explain what I was doing. I mean, it was quite brief, uh, but it's a short meditation. But what I was trying to uh, do is looking a little bit at what is going to help us uh, to dissolve our habits. Often, we find that we get a little stuck. We seem to repeat a little the same thing. And it hurt us, it hurt others. And so, in a way, one might wonder how is a meditation going to help me with this kind of repetitive habits, kind of in a way, doing the same thing again and again. And so, the way I would suggest at a very basic level is that we have mental habit, physical habit, emotional habit, relationship habit. And those habits started as survival mechanism. They start out as function. And then over time, they become automatic. They become very repetitive. And then in a way, it's kind of nearly like something which was functional a creative function it could help us to survive. Then in a way, it's kind of like, it fixes us. And so in a way, when we meditate, the first thing we might notice is in a way the mental habit, that we have so coming and going, or maybe a certain way we feel or certain sensation. And in a way, when we meditate, what we're trying to do is to cultivate together what I call anchoring and looking deeply. So anchoring is actually the fact that we focus, we rest our attention, on an object. It can be the breath, it can be the sound, it can be the tonality we experience upon contact with the breath or with the sound or through the sixth sense tone. And so let's start with the breath. So this is a good way to anchor. Of course, as long as you're not asthmatic or you have a big cold, And then you can do a listening meditation. So in a way, you use the breath as an anchor, just like an anchor would anchor a boat, so that the anchor helps the boat not to get lost at sea and not to uh, break or break itself against other boats. And it's the same here. We come back to the breath, and so it anchors us. But it does not mean that we're totally immobile or we have no thought. For example, of course we have thought. But generally, what happens is that we have a thought and it leads to another thought, kind of, and it kind of we can notice as you meditate. You might be planning, daydreaming, judging, fantasizing, counting. I mean, we do all kinds of things. So in a way, meditation can help us to notice the repetition of the thought, of the emotion, of the sensation. And so the anchoring, the meditation works very much one level, is to help us to be more calm. And how does that work? Actually by st- trying to dissolve the repetition, so that we try to be with the breath, then we go away, But then we come back to the breath then we go away again, then we come back again. And as the Zen master said, you can go away a thousand times, but he gives you the opportunity to come back a thousand times. And actually when we come back to the breath, four things are going to happen. The first one is that you do not feed the soul. So actually you don't feed the repetition. Then the second thing that happens is that you dissolve the power of the habit. The third thing is that you bring it back to its creative function, planning, reflecting, imagining, this is all creative mental function. But when it becomes kind of like really fixated, then it really can be hurtful for ourselves, for others. So here the meditation helps it to come back to the creative function. And the fourth thing that happened is the fact that when we come back to the breath, we don't just come back to the breath, we come back to the whole experience. And so we have to see when we go into a thought or an emotion or sensation, we go into a small bit of our experience. When we come back to the breath, we come back to the whole moment, ourselves in this environment. And so we can do that with the sound, with the sensation. Any anchoring will have that useful function. And then, of course, it helps us to be more calm. And it also helps us to come back to more creative function. Then the other aspect of the meditation is looking deeply. And this, at the basic level, is being aware of impermanence, of change. And so in a way, it's kind of with the breath, noticing, oh, it comes a little cooler, comes out a little warmer. With the sun, noticing, oh, they come and they go. And then we can add a little touch of tonality. Personally, I think tonality are very important because that's generally what will be a little triggering. Like if you have a pleasant tonality, mm, nice sound, like if you hear a little bird, mm, I like that. But then if suddenly somebody was kind of, you know, having a big engine next to you, ah, I am not so sure about that. So in way, you have the contact with the sun and immediately at the same time, you have this pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. And generally we have quite a fast again, automatic reaction to the pleasant, to the unpleasant, to the neither neutral. And so in a way, the mindfulness, being aware of the tonality, when we hear a sound or when we taste something or when we see something, smell something, or when we have a thought. because well, I mean, thought are the same. You have a thought suddenly, and then again, you have a thought, oh, if I won the lottery, ooh, and then, oh, if this happens, ah, unpleasant. And then generally kind of the problem we have is that we have the thought, we have the sensation, and then kind of it's we grasp and it kind of amplify a little bit. So the idea with the looking deeply is trying to become a little more aware of how long does it last. So, in a way, that's when you can, through that, become mindful that something lasts not much, if they're light. So, in a way, when we have experiences, you could say you have light experiences, habitual, repetitive experiences, and what I would call intense experiences. And so, if you have a light experience, then, oh, you can ask, how long does it last, instead of associating it with something and amplifying it, just, oh, it was here, oh, now it's gone. I did not do anything with it, and now it's gone. Or it can be something which is more habitual, it seems to repeat itself. But if you look at it, even if it repeats itself, it's not 24-7. Time to time, it will happen, at other time, it won't. And then you start to look deeply into the change. What are the condition which makes it happen? What are the condition which does not make it happen? And then you have the intense level, which is you feel something it's really sudden and it's really shocking to the system. And the problem here is that it's very intense. And it's very difficult to be really intense. And so here the meditation is not going to stop the intensity. But the meditation might help us to gently try to come back to the breath, try to come back to the sound, try to come back to the tonality, so that we don't amplify more. So we still experience the intensity, but we don't add anything to it. And so over time, the intensity, like all things, will pass you know it's kind of accepting this is going on, at the same time not amplifying it, and at the same time using the anchoring to bring a little space, a little calm, and also remembering with the looking deeply, at some point, these two will pass. So in a way, when we're doing the meditation, we're trying to cultivate anchoring and looking deeply together. And then this is going to help us to develop calm and clarity. And that calmness and clarity is going to become what I would call creative awareness, creative mindfulness. And the creative awareness, the creative mindfulness, has in a way, two aspects. One is acceptance but not acceptance as resignation, but acceptance as, ah, this is what is going on. So really by coming back to the breath, to the sound or to the tonality, we come back, not just to that, but to the whole moment. And then we kind of like, oh, this is what's going on now. And so we are really in the experience. And so in a way we bring this one could say radical acceptance, kind, caring acceptance, clear acceptance to, oh, this is what's going on. Sometimes just acceptance can transform the thing. But sometimes we have to actually directly do something, to what I call creatively engage. So maybe we have to take a rest, maybe we have to address a situation, maybe we have to avoid certain places, certain people. So in a, way, in a way, you have the acceptance and the creative transformation, which go a little bit together, creative acceptance, creative transformation, through actually cultivating this anchoring, so actually cultivating this looking deeply. And then we can bring this creative awareness in our daily life. And possibly, in a way, one thing we can ask, uh, just as a little uh, thing. How long is this going to last? This repeats itself. In which condition does it repeat itself? This is intense. How can I find some calmness? Not stop the intensity, but how can I find some calmness within the intensity? So I hope maybe these few words were a little helpful. So uh, if there are any questions now, I am happy to answer them.
3: So uh,
2: the question, sometimes my view are my strongest habits. You think this technique will also work for breaking strongly held views? So you see, what is a view? This is interesting. What is a view? A view is actually a thought. A thought is a little electricity in the brain connecting. And so in a way, yeah, you can have a view, but the problem is not so much the view. The problem is how much I identify with the view. This is what is a little tricky. So in a way, it's kind of like, how can I have an idea? How can I have ethics? How can I have direction? How can I have aspiration intention? So this comes from idea. So in a way, because you have this, um, in the Buddhist teaching, you have the idea of appropriate view. And what is appropriate view? Appropriate view actually, is to understand impermanence. This is appropriate view. So in a way, the thing about view is how can we hold them lightly? So the problem with views is because they seem to be in our head, we think, hmm, this is my view. This is mine. And because it's my view, we have a tendency to think, It's a right view. And then the next thing we think, it's a right view, it's only view, everybody must believe the same I believe. And then it becomes a little uh, difficult to have a little uh, discussion because the person will do exactly the same. So in a way, can we approach views in a different way? Can we see, ah, it's an idea. It could be a good idea. It could be a useful idea. It could be a really important value which gives meaning to my life. But can it be held lightly? So in a way, it's kind of the difference between aspiration, you aspire towards something. So you have, I hope that your views is kind of more connected to aspiration than what I would call fixed view. Uh, expectation something more fixed so i think the problem is not so much the view is what do you do you with the view and how do you hold it and i would say yes meditation by helping us to bring back to go back to the creative functioning of ideas maybe make, make us be more creative with our views and also Hold them in a more creative
3: way. I would say so. Anything
2: else? So from Devin and Nikki, often compulsive, harmful speech and action seems to come from nowhere without awareness. How is anchoring helpful in this situation? You see, actually what is very helpful is the fact that what you point out is so true, that we speak fast, and we act fast. And in a way, what we're trying to do with the anchoring is really calm the system down a little bit so that we react. We still, in a way, it's kind of the difference between what I call automatic reaction and creative response. So in a way, I feel that if we're a little agitated or a little nervous, a little anxious that actually it's much harder to have this kind of creative speech or this creative action. So what we can notice is when is it that my speech is wise? When is it that my action is wise? When is it that it's harmful, action or speech? And we might notice is often when we have unpleasant feeling tone. Actually, if we have unpleasant feeling tone, then We react quite fast to that. But at the same time, if we have very pleasant feeling tone, we can become excited also. And that also can bring the compulsion. And so in a way, the the meditation, really the meditation, the anchoring, the looking deeply, is helping us to have more awareness. So in a way, the awareness becomes more continuous, not continuous all the time, of course, because it's also impermanent according to condition. But the meditation helps us to be more calm, more steady, more balanced, a little more aware. So it's kind of like it creates this space so that instead of really reacting so fast, we still respond, but there is more space within it. It's a bit kind of the difference between feeling like a mountain inside or feeling like a kind of little uh, grass which is moving all the time. If you feel like a mountain inside, then that will actually uh, give a certain thing to the speech, to the action. When if we feel like a little grass in the wind, then it's very hard actually to have that steadiness. And so it's, again, what are the conditions that's going to help with the balance, the steadiness? And also to see that, again, we might have compulsive harmful speech and action, but again, not all the time. So again, becoming also interested with the looking deeply, what are the conditions which gives rise to one and the harmless one, and the more creative, appropriate one. So, Is there anything else? Or maybe we can stop here.
1: I think that might be the end of the questions for you, Martine. Um, uh, Yeah, Thank you very much for sharing the beauty of the breath and uh, the gift of sound and tonality and body awareness. And I really think that practices like these can help ground us in our recovery efforts. Um, It was a beautiful teaching. Thank you.
4: Hi, I'm Vimla Sara, president of the Buddhist Recovery Network. Our mission is to help promote the use of Buddhist teachings and practices to help people recover from the suffering caused by addictive and/or compulsive behaviors. Our organization is a volunteer-run non-profit which has expenses. We offer free monthly live teachings on the Academy free resources on our website and all our podcasts are free we also organize a bi-yearly summit where many of us come together we rely on the generosity of you our listeners and our interviewees in order to produce these offerings we are asking you to donate to help with our expenses thank you and to show our gratitude your support all patreon supporters will receive access to special guided meditations to unlock these please offer your support by going to patreon.com forward slash buddhist recovery network again patreon.com forward slash buddhist recovery network Thank you so much for your generosity. May all beings be free from the roots and the causes of suffering. May all beings be at peace.